So the main question of this video is really, Tom, you are sharing so many nice tools, but I'm not able to use them in my company as we are stuck to Microsoft and Google. And I would really think about if you're really stuck or if you're not fully leveraging what Google and Microsoft have to offer. I will share my story working in big corporate in a very restricted environment and still being able to become more productive. Let's go. Okay, those of you who are following this channel and are part of the paperless movement know the tool stack that Paco, our co-founder, and I use. If you go to our website, you see all these fancy apps that we use like Tana, Heptabase, Reader, Todoist, ClickUp, and all these fancy tools for project management, task management, knowledge management, and so on. But obviously, this cannot be used by every professional out there. The paperless movement is here to help busy professionals to become more productive. And that's why we developed iCore, which is tool agnostic. So the key is really understanding the principles. And we are so convinced about the iCore methodology as I was walking the walk in big corporate with more than 300,000 employees working in pharma industry, which is a very restrictive environment. So you're not allowed at all to use these tools. And Paco, as a multi-business owner, gives the other perspective on this as well. But today I will talk about myself and my journey in big corporate and how I was able to become more productive in this restricted environment and eventually quit my job and doing 100% paperless movement, coaching other busy professionals to become more productive in whatever environment they need to work in. The key understanding here is really, if you're a business owner and you build your own business, you can choose whatever tools you like. So there, you have the shiny object syndrome, you're overwhelmed, you don't know what tool to pick. So let's say you want to do a project manager to organize your projects. You got swamped with options on YouTube that you could use like Notion or ClickUp or Asana or Monday. You call it and here it starts already, the understanding, the why how you would use these tools because the moment you install it they are so complex these tools that it can become very complicated to set them up especially if you're building a team and that's why i want to share the story of my journey in corporate and my discoveries so after i made my phd in biochemistry i went to big pharma and started working there as a validation expert so it was a medicine production line and I was responsible to validating the cleaning process of this production line. And that is what I was hired for. During team meetings, I realized it was a bit confusing who was doing what and who needs to do next, what is priority, you know, as uh, in a, such a dynamic environment I was working in. Every day something could happen that changes the whole schedule completely. Things that you planned will change. You have to be flexible. It was a high pressure environment there. In addition, I was working at a peak time between 10 and 20 projects, also globally with different teams, so different time zones. So you can imagine this is really worst case scenario when it comes to being a professional in such an environment. So if I say the paperless movement and iCore is for busy professionals, then you know why I'm saying that. I was truly a busy professional. The thing is, it was also this kind of environment that you always had to look busy. If you weren't busy enough, then it seemed like you were lazy. That was another mindset thing that I see over and over in other companies as well. And this is also just due to lack of transparency and understanding what is going on. It's also things like KPIs. 
key performance indicators, KPIs like watermelons. On the outside, green and the inside, red. This means that people always try to make the numbers right, no matter what, if it makes sense or, or not. And this is actually dangerous. And this was the moment when I started to help first myself and then the team to become more productive. So I, I looked at our daily processes as a team. I was part of this team. I was supporting my team leader there. And I looked at the daily processes and I thought there needs to be a better way to organize these things. We got calls asking for new requests and things like that. And people were just firefighters in the team. That's why everybody was overwhelmed and working 150%. So back then there was nothing else. There was no fancy tools. Notion was not a thing back then. So I started to create an Excel sheet in order to start tracking these tasks. And then I learned about SharePoint, which was a platform on Microsoft as we were based on Microsoft and tied to Microsoft as well in this company. So I tried to leverage the existing tools as much as possible. And this is one key takeaway from this video. Look around you and check out what tools you actually have. You might be surprised if you set them up in a different way based on your tool agnostic processes that they serve you a lot more than you think. And this is where people who get confused or are not guided by the company how to use these tools in the most efficient way possible, these employees start to seek for alternatives and then look into Evernote, Notion and other solutions. So getting back to the story of team improvement, I learned about SharePoint and there I was allowed to invest my time building a ticketing system. And all I built there was a database where the production lines were able to hand in requests via a form. So instead of calling us, they had now to hand in a form. The big difference in the process change here is already that if they call, they call one person inside the team, mainly always the person who is the kindest and who does everything right away. Also, the person who was called then wasn't able to transfer the information further into the team so we have all the details so we had a lot of follow-ups and whenever something was delegated we had to start from scratch things like this and I think a lot of teams can relate to this as well so by having a form they now had to hand in details that we define that we need to process the request as quickly as possible so for example their name the production line name who is responsible on the filling line that we need to talk to. Therefore, they had, they had now the task to think about who is responsible, the urgency, when does it need to be done. So there was a calendar in there. They were able to select dates and therefore they already saw how busy we were and they were able already to do the decision to see, oh, maybe I, we can do this a week later, things like that. So therefore, the moment the customer handed in this form, a lot of work was already done that we needed to do otherwise just by having a call and trying to organize the things along with the task that we already were working on. So that was the first advantage to get clean and defined data for this request. And therefore, we were able to build up a database out of this. And then we were able to assign these requests to different people inside the team and therefore already became a lot more efficient this way. On the other hand, our results from the laboratory and so on 
we were able then to attach this to this request and therefore other departments like the quality insurance, the laboratory themselves, they were able to look at our database and get the documents they needed to perform their task because these are usually the additional steps that happened during our work that the five-minute person comes in. You know, quality insurance, laboratory. Do you have five minutes? I have a question, okay? And then you start trying to find the stuff. Maybe you look into your notebook or you try to find it on your in your database or whatever. Now, this was another thing that was moved towards the other department and they were able to look at this themselves. And only if they didn't find anything or something was wrong or missing, then they reached out. So this was also minimizing contact points to other departments, but at the same time, increasing transparency and performance. And then I mentioned the KPIs like watermelons in the beginning. This was now a proper database. We saw exactly what we've been working on and how many requests we've been working on the year before without the system and how many we were able to solve the year after. And the outcome was quite exciting as we've been able to increase the team's performance by 60% with the same headcount. And you see, I didn't mention any tool yet. Yes, I, I, I talked about a database and a ticketing system, but if you think about what I used it for, it was just a form and streamlining the processes, the tool agnostic processes during the day. And this was key. And I wasn't using any other tool for this yet. Okay, so I was using Microsoft and I used Microsoft SharePoint and anybody could have built this just by learning a bit more about how to set this up. And then time evolved. So the company shifted towards Google Workspaces and this became really then a worst case situation. We started to have to use both Google and Microsoft because some documents, they had to be in Word documents and saved on certain data points due to security reasons. And other things were on Google Workspaces. So there was a mix going on. And these different islands popped out where you had scattered information all over the place. And then also I remember having G Drive. That was the first time G Drive was used back then. They had no folders in G Drive. Everybody was confused. And I thought, okay, the idea from Google was just to leverage the Google search inside G Drive. But people really love structure. So eventually they brought back folders and all this. And this was really a messy time. Then it comes to meetings. I had back and back meetings every day. And then in the end of the week, I was wondering, what have I achieved what, what, what was I actually working towards my own goals in this business, in this corporation I was working in? And I was many times serving others more than I was serving my own tasks. So therefore, I also implemented more processes there as well. So unnecessary meetings, I just canceled them. If there is no agenda, what needs to be talked about? No meeting. There's so many meetings, there was one hour fluff and five minutes of something that you could have sent in an email. Emails, on the other hand, same thing. This is where it became really interesting to define these things as well. Like there is not such a thing like an urgent email. If it is really urgent, then this person will call you. So therefore, you don't have to constantly check your emails 
also the in-between thing, the chat, okay? Somebody could reach out via Google Hangouts and then they can say it's urgent. Maybe, but if I'm in a meeting or if I have a very serious task to do, being on the filling line, for example, which was costing 100,000 euros per hour being on the filling line, not producing, okay? Me working there and validating the stuff. So there's a lot of money involved. And therefore, it was necessary to implement these processes. So there might be important emails, but there's never an urgent email. If something was urgent, people knew they need to call me or try at least to reach out via chat. And this way, I was able to more and more organize myself and to make it easier for other people to understand how I work, how our team eventually works. Also started to adapt to use the systems in the same way also adding time blocks on a calendar so nobody else can add you events when you need to work on something. So that, that's all standard stuff. But you see, I'm saying it because I don't need to have a fancy fantastical or the new Notion calendar or I don't need to have Vimcal, anything like that. I can use the Google calendar. I can use the Outlook in order to achieve this in Google and Microsoft. Just know how to use these tools as best as possible. And that's what we keep telling our members as well. Usually when people join our membership, they start filling out their iCore framework. So they fill in all the tools they're already using. And usually it's loads and loads of tools first from the business side that they have to use, then the additional tools that they started using over time because they felt that the business tools are lacking. And then they see suddenly the map on this iCore framework of all the tools they use. And then our members start to realize, oh man, there's redundancies. I have three different note-taking apps and I have no clue what I'm actually adding to these different note-taking apps. Probably the same. So therefore I'm creating scattered information and things like this. So this realization is the first step into the right direction. And the next step is then that we ask them to remove as many tools as possible. So we had members reducing their tool stack by 50%. Can you imagine cutting half? of the tools that you use. You're cutting half the costs that you have. You're cutting half the tools that you need to manage. You're cutting half the anxiety about not knowing how to use the different stuff and feeling overwhelmed. So this is a huge step into the right direction. And in order to understand this, best is to really try to force yourself, at least as a thought model, that you would be able only to use Microsoft or only to use Google and how you then would approach this. Because if we look at the different tools, we have everything that we need in this already. So for the calendar, we have the Google Calendar, we have Outlook, all right? That's what we can use in the systems. For note-taking, we have the Google Keep. That's a note-taking app. And it's actually a very complex one that you can use. And the key here is really, here, if everybody would use this note-taking app the same way inside the company, then you can collaborate, you can share notes, and you're building up a business knowledge management system that would be awesome. Also, you have the Google Drive, no need for Dropbox or any other cloud storages. So for Microsoft, it would be OneDrive. Communication. You don't need to use Slack if you know how to use the chat properly and the, or the Skype. I think Teams also has a different chat so as well. The key here when it comes to communication, again, is just defining how you communicate, what will be communicated inside the chat system and what should be written up somewhere else. So 
for example, in the Pebbles movement, we are using Slack. We are running on Google Workspace, but we are using Slack. Why? Because we know the limitations of Google Chat and we know how to leverage Slack at its maximum. Does everybody now need to use Slack to be highly efficient? Maybe, but you won't be if you don't understand why you're using this tool. So the main reason for us was using Slack that we were able to create threads inside conversations. So this means whenever you start a topic, you can stay in this thread and you're not filling up an endless stream of scattered topics. And this was the case for Google Chats. Now they added now also threads in the Google Chats. So it might be unnecessary to use Slack anymore. But obviously we are using Slack for a lot more reasons. If you want me to show you how we leverage Slack, let us know in the comments below. Happy to show this. But I'm comparing here, okay? So we're using Slack and Google, you would use the chat, Skype or Teams and Microsoft. Then obviously you have Google Chrome or you have the Edge browser for Microsoft. Well, we are using Arc browser here. Do we need it? Well, obviously we love using Arc and we can do whatever we want in the Payless movement as we define what tools we are able to use. But if you're not able to use this tool, don't worry, try to leverage the tool that the company provides as much as possible. And when it comes to note-taking, you have Google Docs, you have Word, and now we could argue, well, this is not proper note-taking. I'm not starting to prepare notes and things like that. It's not as effective as a proper note-taking app, 100% agree. And that's where many people back then were using Evernote as Evernote was the only note-taking app, digital one, that was proper and I was using actually an iPad and a Notability or Apple Notes back then to go 100% paperless and make my notes only digital. But this is already a gray zone because there you need really to define what type of information am I allowed to put into these tools. And I didn't tell you the whole story of the career. <laughs> if you want to check it out, you can go to LinkedIn. There you see what I was actually working in in a lot more detail in this company. But eventually, after increasing the team performance by 60%, I was able to climb the ladder and switch to the IT department as they saw what I've built there. And I became a business analyst and a team leader of a data historian team. So I was responsible for all the data collection of the production lines. And I started the first big data analysis there and trying to create insights out of the process data and so on. But the key task was then going to a deep IT department, I saw the same thing happening again as it was for my team. So they've been overwhelmed firefighters. So I thought, let's repeat the process now as a team leader. Now I have a bit, a bit more control and I'm responsible now to increase the team's performance. So therefore, I started to implement Asana in this new team. But first, just for myself, I needed to understand what projects are you guys working on? How many projects? There was a team of five people and they didn't really know. They've been firefighters serving who was screaming the loudest. And the big issue in this team was that they've been really working globally in a company with more than 300,000 employees where every side has obviously a side head and they have the highest priority on each side. So whenever somebody was calling from US or Asia then they had the highest priority because things weren't working and our IT team had to figure it out with five people. And you can imagine as the sun never goes down around the world, 
those people were overwhelmed there we had one coming back from burnout this was crazy but it was just because it wasn't possible to show the data there was this blaming mindset there was this finger pointing mindset who is whose fault it is and so on and i always said never blame the management it's on us to provide them the right numbers to make the right decisions and if you keep doing these kpis like watermelons then they will make wrong decisions and they say well we don't need as many people so we've kept collecting what projects they're working in and we ended up that my team with five people were working on 150 projects in parallel globally can you imagine this so obviously everybody was overwhelmed obviously they never finished the things on time it was crazy but now i had a number and now i was able to go to the management and say okay now you can explain to me how should we manage with five people managing 150 projects so ex explain it in a way that if you have one person and you ask this person to drive five cars simultaneously from a to b either this person will drive all the five cars just a bit into the middle or you have to tell me which car has the highest priority that we can drive it to B. And this is what really clicked. And this was then giving me budget to get a lot more members into the team. At the same time, we reduced the project we've been responsible for down to 50 projects. So how did we do this? Prioritization. And how do we prioritize? Well, by definition of what these projects were all about. Because something that I figured out as well is that some projects were actually very important projects where they built new production lines, where they produce stuff that brings the company money in. And then there were optimization projects. They were just made by some students that had a good idea, people who think they can improve processes, or even yearly goals where obviously these big companies always want to have continuous improvement and therefore they say you have to improve the processes. However, as we've been so overloaded and had not enough manpower to tackle the money in projects, we were then too able to stop these optimization projects and say, sorry, we cannot do this. And then over time, we were able to build up the team and then get on more and more again of these optimization projects and things started to run well again. I'm just sharing this story as I think it's very important to see this in context and also to keep this back in your mind whenever we talk at the Paveless Movement about busy professionals and how it is to being overwhelmed in business and how to become more productive in business, that we are walking the walk with you. That's really key. What we teach with i is not something for knowledge workers, for students, for authors who want to write articles and books and things like that to make some research. It is really for people who have no time to think about tools, how to set them up and things like that. And believe me, even that I was working in IT and I had a bunch of nerds around me who love technology and being on a computer all day, they hated whenever I asked them to implement a new tool. The only thing that they realized then, and this is why we also recommend when people ask us, how can I improve team performance? Should I send my team to you so they become more productive? This is giving away responsibility and accountability as a team leader. I think that's totally wrong. As you expect the team to become more productive on their own without you as a team leader understanding 
the whys, why they are not performing as good as they should, and also learning how to prioritize tasks for them. The same applies to team members complaining about the team leader that he's not knowing stuff. I was in both situations. I was a team member and I was a team leader and I was able to improve productivity both sides. Myself, then the team I was working in. Why? Because I showed how I became more productive. So others followed the example. And then as a team leader, as I was able to free up time to give my team breathing room to make them accountable for being experts and not doing administrative work, things like that. So therefore they understood why certain tools help to improve freedom. Many times I saw this when tools are implemented, teams complaining, nah, now we have to do even more work. Now I have to tick this box and I have to fill in these fields and so on. But here it's something that many companies, when they and I come to this in a moment when I talk about Asana, but it's really key that there is a multiplier inside the team who gets it, the key takeaway behind the implementation, and then helps implementing the new tool. Now Asana, as back then, there was no ClickUp. ClickUp was just a new thing. I think it was in version one back then. And also, as we've been working in highly restricted environment, we had to whitelist these tools. So they have to go through different processes. There was Trello as well that was already whitelisted, but I was able in this company to whitelist Asana for the reasons that I showed for team improvement that we did with Asana back then. And as I said, I used Asana first for myself as a team leader to get clarity and an overview of all the projects. This then allowed us the 150 projects. I was able to show my team, to show my boss and eventually the leadership team, all the projects and how we started to prioritize these different projects. Therefore, the team saw that we were able to reduce these 150 projects down to 50. And then the team started to work in the tool as well inside these projects. And this is where the term single source of truth evolved. If you're following the Pebbles movement or you went through the I-Core journey inside the Pebbles movement membership, then you know what a single source of truth is. And here it's a great example. A single source of truth for my team back then was each project, or you could also even say task. So whenever a team member was working on a specific project, they knew exactly where to go to to write in updates so everybody else was informed about this. And this became so efficient internally in the team that we then started to roll out because the communication and, and coordination between the IT department and the engineering department was lacking effectiveness. Let's put it this way. We've been responsible building up packaging lines. So it's no longer the medicine filling lines. It was then the packaging. And therefore we had roboters and uh, printers and things like that, that the engineering team was installing and the IT team was doing the software part, right? So there was a lot of cooperation going on. And again, the team, my team had to be on the packaging line to help the engineering team, but at the same time helping globally with software solutions and things like that. So it was really crazy. But what I figured out then doing this project work, I was going to these project meetings then. And we had several project managers for these different projects. And every project manager was using a different software to manage their projects. And none of these softwares were native to Google Workspace or Microsoft. They were using spreadsheets. They were using Trello. They were using a lot of things. And 
then everybody gathered in these project meetings. Everybody was writing into their own notebooks. And then in the next meeting, everybody was discussing, no, 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 you said it last time this way. I wrote it down in my notebook this way and I wrote it down in my notebook this way. And this is where I sat down and this was the first time then that I started using Miro. Miro is a whiteboarding tool and Miro was something that was not so available in the Google solution. There is the Jamboard in the Google workspace as well, which is also whiteboard and was what was widely used. However, Miro really allowed me to make a lot nicer diagrams and things like that. So I started to lay out the complete process of such a project, building a packaging line end to end without knowing how it works as I was just coming to this team for the first time. So, but whatever I gathered in these different project meetings, whenever I was talking to somebody, when I was talking to my own team, I learned more and more gaps that I had on my whiteboard. And I was building up this whiteboard in the background until I had a proper understanding how things were going. And then I identify the different places where I think there's responsible for IT and there's responsible for engineering. And then I was able to bring everybody to a table, looking at this whiteboard and then defining clearly who will work on this, who will inform who, and we all together defined this. And this was key. Everybody was involved, suddenly visually seeing how everything is working through the project manager was able to now look at the map and say, okay, this part of the project is already finished. Now we have to do this part. Who is responsible? Well, I have to call this. And also when it comes to responsibilities, I stopped that they should write down my name for being responsible for this part in this project. I said, it needs to be a function there. It's a solution architect or somebody who really fits this position because then these setups become evergreen whenever the person changes and a new person comes in it doesn't change the process of the project management and that is that was another key insight there and all these things that i'm telling you today is coming together in icor what you can learn in the paperless movement membership the icor methodology is really the essence to learn exactly all the process that i'm telling you here about myself plus the experience from Paco as a multi-business owner. So that's why we really believe that iCore is the most comprehensive solution when it comes to building a productivity system end-to-end -end as a professional. So Miro was then the tool to use here. And then Miro was rolled out on the whole company. Everybody started using Miro as well. Going back to Asana, I identified then with Miro all the contact points. So therefore... We decided then that it is necessary that we all look at the same single source of truth. And in Asana, this was a project where everything was gathered, collected, the documents, all this. So therefore, we've decided to roll out then Asana for more than a thousand people working globally together. So you can imagine from me starting using Asana in my team. And eventually it rolled out for more than a thousand people. We had more than 16,000 tasks in this Asana working in parallel. And I was about to building up. I set up a priority system as well. So it was really key. Again, another definition there, something that we teach in iCore. You have to define what a priority actually means. So back then I had, even in my email, if somebody reached out, 
I told him what priority means. If somebody says urgent, urgent meant that business continuity is in danger. If it is not solved right now, we are losing money every minute. This is urgent. If this is not the case, then it is not urgent. Important. These are the yellow, the high priority tasks. Those were goal oriented. So whenever somebody had an important request, it needed to be related to any of the projects that we were working on. And then we had the normal, the blue ones, which was optimization tasks. And then the low priority was just ideas. So that was then the idea management. If you go inside the Pebbles Movement membership, there's the project management like a pro course. In there, we talk about the execution piece, which shows you exactly these processes, but also the idea incubator that explains then how to manage ideas and so on. That's all coming from this. So the, the issue that I saw then when Asana was rolled out, I was in contact with Asana directly and more and more uh, members I brought into Asana. And then suddenly... Asana decided, we don't need you anymore. We will send our own consultant now to roll out Asana for all these thousand people. And this is where things crumbled because that was really the issue. An external consultant who has no clue how work is in this particular environment, all the different cross connections between the departments, things like that, came in and started from scratch two years of work building up these maps and so on. He was not interested. He followed the normal process that Asana gave him to follow. And he had meetings over meetings over meetings. Our high tier people sitting in there, costing a lot of money every hour, talking about things that were already solved by our internal people and implementing new ways on how to use Asana based on what Asana thinks works best. And this was to me a aha moment where I thought, no, we have to stay tool agnostic and people need to understand the basics. If you don't understand your business processes, obviously that's what this consultant tried to figure out now, the business processes, how to implement it best, but then all based on templates that Asana provided, nothing custom made. And this is really key. Going back to the topic of this video, Microsoft, Google, I'm, I need to use these tools. Yes, use them, but try to take, but try to leverage them at the most. Try to really come to the friction points. When you find the limit of the tool, like for example, database management in Google Workspaces, okay, building up a proper database, everybody can have access that it's not overwhelming for them. And you tried any solution there. Let's say just Google Sheet, all right? Like you don't have... Like in Microsoft, you have access, right? The tool to build up databases. So Google Tables never became a thing. So this is where you could start arguing, okay, we don't have a database where we have cross connections going on. So we really need another solution. And with this mindset that you know that you checked out the hole and there's nothing available, then you go to the IT department or to your boss and explain it first there. And then you can sit together with the IT department. And then you have a specific request where they cannot argue against it. Because then you say, well, if we would have this database, we would save this and this money in finding information and organizing things and so on. And this is how it worked over and over again. I was working eight years in this company and I was climbing the ladder and my the end of the story in the corporate world was then that I was taking over another team 
in IT. That was called Agile Plus. And that was something that was launched by the global team where they were looking for ways to further improve efficiency, productivity, continuous improvement. And they heard about my implementation, how I use Asana, how I improve the work between engineering and IT. And therefore I came in there. And in there, the IT leaders were the team members of this Agile Plus. And the project that I presented there and I started to roll out was a single source of truth project. I said, the ultimate goal should really be that we all can look into one single source of truth and find all the relevant information about a specific filling line, a specific device on this filling line, things like that. And therefore, they said, oh man, we cannot, we cannot just stop using all our implemented systems and start using another tool. And that's exactly the problem that many others think. I don't know. I would have an awesome idea using Notion to, as the single source of truth. And I said, no, that's, that's not the point. I figured out the tool, and it was ServiceNow back then, where all the IT tickets were managed globally. And this had a lot more capabilities than it initially looked like. It was just not used. And I said, we can keep running all the other systems, but all the other systems, they have links. They have URLs that we can use. And therefore, we just define one system as the single source of truth. And whenever I look at this specific device, I have links in the different database fields that link me to the other systems. So when I'm a project manager, I sit down, I just open the single source of truth. And whenever I want to look up some engineering plans or something like that, I have it right there. Click and it will open up automatically the other tool. And it was the thing that we started rolling out. However, at the same time, my family and me, we decided to move to a different part of Germany. And there was a opportunity to go all in with the paperless movement. And this is the point when I left the company then. As you can see in my CVs on the LinkedIn page, it was all my own decision. And now I'm more than happy to help other professionals to implement these solutions in their own businesses. No matter if you're a solopreneur or if you're running a 300,000 employee company, as I experienced it all. One last example I want to bring is Salesforce. Salesforce is spread in so many companies. And I met so many salespeople who are also members of the Payless Movement membership that I was coaching and they complained about Salesforce. So they said, well, if I have a client meeting, then I rather use GoodNotes on my iPad for handwriting or I'm using Notion in order to keep track of the things because Salesforce is not helping me there. There it is this exact same opportunity as I told you about the service now and building the single source of truth. If you truly force yourself and say, I have to use only Salesforce, then start looking into the capabilities of Salesforce. First, write down your tool agnostic process. How would you need the tool to work for you in order to be as efficient as possible, collecting information and retrieving information later on? And then let's sit down and see how Salesforce can actually be optimized or SAP systems, same thing. I was working with SAP a lot and usually it was just an issue by how these systems were set up in the first place because the people implementing these systems have no idea about your actual business processes and then you are stuck to this because nobody ever thought about how the actual process works. So there's only complaining on both ends but no solution. And here's the solution. Sit down, 
write down these processes. That's part of the automation, like a pro course inside the Payless Movement membership. There we show you exactly how you can lay out work streams, workflows, your process in a tool agnostic way in order to optimize and eventually maybe automate a lot of tasks as well. And this is the key in order to improve your productivity system. Understand these underlying tool agnostic processes first and then look for the tools. If you have existing tools, think then again, why do you use these tools? Does it fit to these processes? You will see your life will completely change. The way you look at these tools and then productivity overall will completely change. It will become actually fun doing work again because you will stop doing work about work. You will actually do the work what you get paid for. And that's the key. Asana made a study already that 60% of the work time, people are searching for information. That was the outcome. And that's crazy. Now we are using ClickUp. We moved on from Asana to ClickUp as ClickUp is a lot more versatile than Asana. And there's also a ClickUp like a pro course that we show exactly how we implement our tool agnostic project management concepts and workflows inside ClickUp. So if this is something you're interested in, does it mean Asana is a bad solution? No. Does it mean Monday is a bad solution? No. Again, it really depends on your needs in your business. Less is more. All these tools will work awesomely well for your business if you really know why you're using them and how you use them in the most efficient way possible. And if you really need help, you want to have coaching by me and Paco, our co-founder, then we have the Inner Circle Cohort where you not only learn the ICO methodology, but you will have intensive coaching sessions where Paco and I will both help you to build your dream productivity system end-to-end -end in just one month. Yes, that's how convinced we are about the ICO principle as we saw it over and over again, how quickly people improve their productivity in their businesses just by applying ICO. On average, if you're doing it yourself, going through the iCore courses and the Pebbles Move membership, it takes on average about six to 12 months to implement this. But with the Inner Circle cohort, thanks to the direct coaching from Paco and me, we will point you into the right direction. We'll look at your iCore frameworks, pick out the tools, give you recommendations for other tools, how you can leverage the tools as they are. This was my bread and butter as a business analyst for eight years. And this is my bread and butter for 100% in the Payless Movement now. So be sure you're in good hands. So there are many ways to join us and to learn about ICO and become more productive as a busy professional. If you like this, share it with your friends and colleagues. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the channel so I can catch you up in the next one.